0: I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to Seek Your Summit. As a mom, a business owner, and the first female to climb the seven-second summits, I realize that the mountains we climb are a part of our success. And it is up to us to go beyond that success into a life of significance. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others who have led a life of both success and significance, and now they are paying it forward. Friends, today we have Chris King on the podcast. He is the executive shaman. Chris, welcome to
1: the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. Now, how does somebody get the title executive shaman? Please elaborate.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was something that a client said to me. He said, because, you know, I get hired as a coach and consultant, but he had said, that it went way deeper than that. He said, "You're some kind of like executive witch doctor, shaman, medicine man." I said, "Yeah, we can go with that. I'll buy a hat and I'll just run with it." So I did.
0: I freaking love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so you like started this. I don't know. I have weird notes here that have been taken, and so I'm trying to make a little bit of sense of them. But okay, tell me how you got on this path. Let's go there.
1: Oh, well, I can't work for other humans. That's really the bottom line, right <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> I have I I joke that I have no business running my own business. I have no business working for other people. That's really so my um I mean I started this. I I'd done a lot of personal development work. I mean I, I would say that I had a dysfunctional childhood, but you know, that there's an implication there that there's another kind, right? So um right. but I but I did need to kind of you know after a few things um manifested in my life in terms of like a couple of divorces and failed careers and you know i'd fallen on my face enough times where it was like well there's got to be a reason everything everything throughout my life all the drama and trauma all has one thing in common me and so if i can address it from that lens um then then i can change anything and everything and and i was faced at one point with an opportunity to learn how to do commercial real estate become a commercial real estate broker or be broken homeless, and live out of my car and build a company. And so I went with broken homeless because I just didn't want to end up in a life that I had to extract myself from later.
0: I like that. That's a lot of wisdom right there to be able to know, like, if I go down this other path, I'll have to extract myself to be my authentic self later. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you're in the car, you're homeless and you're building a business. What's the business?
1: So the, we have a coaching and consulting uh, organization, which is all oriented around making the seemingly impossible a reality. And this, this I, I have a history of this in my life. You know, for example, I decided when I was 22 years old that I wanted to be an NCAA ice hockey player. And there were only two problems. Number one, I was failing out of a junior college. And number two, I had never skated a day in my life. What? But, yeah. But fast forward 18 months, and there I am leading my team into the state championship. I was first in assists and fourth in goals that season. Now, granted, we got our asses handed to us at the state championship, but that's not the point.
0: (laughs) Right. Hey, you got there, darn it. And you turned from a non-skater into a point-leading person within 18 months. Exactly. So, because you were driven motivated like intentional what do you what do you credit that to
1: jen there's it's more than that it's more than commitment um i mean when you when you hear the word commitment right and this is kind of where the executive shaman piece comes in right because everything is energy and when you hear the word commitment notice how that lands in your body in in kind of in your chest or or even in your head for me it's very masculine it's very it's very masculine in its orientation it's very driven it's um it's a it's a choice. but if I say the word devotion, what happens there's a, that has a different frequency it has a different quality and it's very feminine in its orientation right it's almost like commitment is a choice and devotion is not it's call it like some kind of moral imperative or something and and I learned and I didn't have the the language around it back then, but what I learned ultimately was that when you have commitment to something and you are truly devoted to that thing and you're willing to do what is required to make it happen, you can't fail. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I was completely devoted to creating a did radio career. you call career it devotion
0: that at that time or can you look back and call it devotion now?
1: I look back now. I didn't have that okay. this kind of language back then. Back then it was just desire on fire you know it's just i have to have this kind of thing and i wouldn't even I, I don't even think back that i could tell you why i just okay wanted it were you a
0: balanced feminine masculine energy at that time or were you unconsciously both consciously one over the other
1: you know in, in retrospect i would say that i was i probably led with a really light masculine energy and i was really i i had no access to the dark masculine i um yeah, I think, I think I was very feminine in my orientation um, okay. in terms of energy and polarity. But then when I would get lit up about something, that then the masculine would take over. And that's kind of the way it's supposed to be, the masculine in service to the feminine. And that's, that's the way that's supposed to work, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, I survived a horrific car crash and decided out of the blue I was going to climb mountains and never climbed one before, really, and set a world record. And so I get it. And people always ask like, well, you're not, I wouldn't let them use the word conquer. Like we, I'm not conquering the mountain. I'm climbing with the mountain. I'm like, I'm asking permission that this is okay. And there was two times that it wasn't. So we turned around and I had to come do those summits another time. And people looked at me like I was from outer space.
1: I totally get you that I, yeah, you, you and I are from the same planet then. So
0: (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you had these unhealthy relationships that you put on repeat. What did you heal in yourself to break that pattern?
1: well, I think ultimately it boils down to self love right um because I was in such a desp- i was in such a desperate place of self sacrifice you know i uh, my my oldest sister died when she was 11 and so i was raised in a house of grief and rage and abuse and addiction and i and i built my life on those pillars a couple of times and as you can imagine that's a pretty shaky foundation and so after you know the failed jobs and career pivots and two failed marriages one to a woman with bipolar disorder and just and, and actually being a battered husband through that i was like you know there i I need to reorient i need to kind of decode and recode this human system to a different reality and and as it turns out reality is the end result of a system and any system can be hacked and recoded if you understand that system well enough so um so that's kind of when i what i went on a mission to do is recode my life essentially
0: okay and where did that start of first the awareness but then you're going to reach for something to learn the new way so how was that journey?
1: I think it started after my second marriage ended. Um, I, I did a fantastic job of destroying that. Um, okay. And, and, you know, the, I, I mean, I, I, was a, I was in a bad place. I was a bad place, I was a bad man in a bad place and just really angry and upset and completely unaware of how miserable I was. And, um, and I sabotaged the relationship And, and it took me a a little while to breathe again, because, you know, I just the the disruption in my life. But one day I was, I was walking out of the house to work and I was about 36, I think at this point, I opened the door to leave my house and this wind just kind of blew through like, you know, the Santa Ana's blew through here in Southern California and It was like it blew the fog away. It was such a strange experience, Jen. I mean, just everything got clearer. The grass got greener. The sky got bluer. Like everything just got really vivid, intensely vivid. It was all very Celestine prophecy or something, if you've read that book. Um, Okay. And that was the moment that I went, oh, I, okay. And I went to the EAP program. I was working in the Neuroscience Institute of a hospital at the time. And so I went to the EAP program and got a therapist who transferred me to another therapist. And I saw him for about, about three months every week. and and he said after that time, he says, I don't really think I can help you because you've kind of figured this out. You've had what he called a core flip. And he says okay. it usually takes something very dramatic, like maybe your accident or my divorce or whatever, like something that really rocks you to your core. And uh, and it was from that place that I just, with without judgment or shame of what a horrible person I was, just, oh, I'm out of alignment here. And got really fascinated and curious about myself. Like, how did that happen? When did that start? And, you know, started learning about all of these, this stuff that was going on in my head and started learning how to recode it.
0: So what would be one of the first things that you recode?
1: Personal responsibility. Like ultimately, this is very difficult because, you know, we are steeped in victim consciousness. You know, we hear it in our everyday language. Nietzsche talks about this, you know, about how you can tell where a society has been and where it's going by the way they speak. And, and we, we reek of victim consciousness and we say it in ways like, you know, I didn't have time. I can't afford it. Uh, I forgot. This is all very disempowering language. And when we recognize this is not the issue, this is the result, you know, I didn't have enough time. That's not the problem. That's not why something didn't get done. That's the result, right? Of what is it the result? I didn't prioritize. I didn't make time. See, now I take ownership of that and now I can affect it. If you're offloading responsibility, you can't affect anything. But once you accept responsibility for something, now you can control, maneuver, uh, and manipulate it.
0: So when you're working with clients, are you listening to their language and catching them and going like, eh, eh, what'd you say?
1: (laughs) I I can, you give me about three minutes in safe space and I'll get it figured out pretty, like, uh, that's really all it takes at this point to understand where they are on the map.
0: Okay. And what does safe space look like to you?
1: No judgment, no shame. Clients can tell me anything and my response is going to be, okay, let's talk about that. You know, they could be cheating on their significant other. They could be stealing from the company. They could be, you know, because there's, there's, a, tra- there's a traceable pathology for this. Like if I just go through the psychology, it's right. I can just go back in time and figure out how this manifests. And it's like, but you got to get out of the judgment. And I guess this is the second step. You know, step one, personal responsibility, full empowerment. Step two, release of the judgment. Right, mm-hmm. the, re- release the idea that you are bad and wrong and whatever, and understand that there is something driving you that you are unaware of, and we can, we can recode it.
0: And do you need to bring them all the way back to the story of origin? No, or can I don't you even shift care. it without having that piece.
1: No, I tell clients, I, look, and I, I tell you, Jen, I sound terribly insensitive sometimes because I don't care, and and when I right. and what I mean by that is. I don't care when it started. I don't care what happened when you were seven. I don't care about your dad. I don't, I don't, I really don't care because it's what, you know, what a physician once said to me when I was at the hospital, he called it academic masturbation because ultimately I'm just going to treat it the same way. Now, if I have to dig around in your childhood because your mammalian mind wants to know why, I'll do it, but we can do this a lot faster because the why really doesn't matter. How you relate to the issue is the issue. It doesn't really matter when or how it happened.
0: Okay. So someone comes to you, like walk us through a person that you've helped through an issue. And obviously you'll leave all of the insinuating details out.
1: Right. Uh so there was a client that um it's funny because the, the things that they bring us are rarely what the thing is. It's always, you know, these are oh, the results 100%. of the thing, right? These are the results of the yeah, thing. Like, but, you know,
0: Oh, that's cute. Let's like, okay, but actually that's actually, I came back from a climb on K2 before we get into your story. Mm-hmm. And I did this thing called the grump dump because grump I had a whole bunch of bad things happen on this experience. And I was going to go home to my kids and I wasn't integrated everything that happened. So I needed to, I did a grump dump. So I pulled out paper. I dumped every single bad thing that happened onto this paper from like scratchy toilet paper to no water, to a lot of oxygen, to person dying, to all these things. And then I could pile them and be like, oh, actually, this is the same thing manifested 10 ways. So I don't have 10 problems. I have one problem if I knock this one out and then we can burn all the rest of them and it won't repeat itself because I didn't sum it the first time I'd have to go back. So to go mm-hmm. back, I needed to look at what really was in my realm of abilities to prevent from happening again and what really is just this is nature right you're mm-hmm. in a mountain environment some things you just can't control because there's a lot of life really that we can't control so there you go um right. okay but well walk us through your scenario
1: well there was the, the first one that comes to mind i remember um this woman came to me and she she said she came up to me after a, a speaking engagement actually and she said i have to work with you and she took a pause and she said There's no way I can afford you, but I have to work with you. Now, I will tell you that right there in that moment, I knew she was going to be an incredible client. Um, And it really didn't matter what I charged her. I mean, I could have done it for free. I mean, I I needed a little skin in the game, but the reality was she had so much fire. The the idea that somebody will approach me knowing full well that that it can't happen and still put it out there into the universe yeah. That's my client. Like this, she just stared she she stared the reality that it couldn't happen down and just put it out there anyway. And yeah, she's we like, oh, started working
0: I'm not listening. Here we are.
1: <laughs> right. And so I was like, okay, you know, I said, what can you afford? And she threw out a number and I said, you know, she said, here's what I can comfortably afford. I said, okay, what can you uncomfortably afford? You know, cause I need a little bit of the, the money's just there. Yeah. To provide- I mean,
0: sometimes the cost is the transformation. So there you go.
1: Right. And so what I tell people is I say, look, you're asking me to cook a meal and I need a certain amount of heat to do that. And that comes from money. In her case, it really came from gratitude. She was so thankful that I would take her as a client she crushed it, and she she said that she had never been her own her own woman. She was 49 years; she had just turned 49, and she said, "I want to be my own woman by the time I'm 50." And, and I said, "What does that mean?" She said, "I went from my um, my parents' house to my husband's house to my wife's house." She said, oh. "I've you know I said my my dad is ailing, and I can't really care for him." She said, "I'm in a horrible marriage to my wife." Um, she said, "I've stalled out at work; just everything is just." terrible. And I said, okay. So we started working together. Well, we got her out of that 15 year bad marriage. We got her a home in LA that she purchased. She's a first time homeowner in LA. She moved her dad into the house so she could take care of him. She got a raise and a promotion and a bonus on top of that. She also got another job offer out of state, which she turned down uh, because it wasn't the right fit. She had enough She had enough uh, self-confidence and self-esteem saying, no, that's not right for me. Thank you very much. But had she taken it, that property in L.A. would have become a rental property. And now she's got, uh, you know, uh, uh, income just uh, just from that. And all of this took nine months. She said nine months. She said she wanted it by her 50th birthday. I beat her by three months.
0: All right. Awesome. And is that more on her, do you think, or more on you?
1: Well, they do the work. You know, the client does the work. (laughs) I just opened the door. You have to walk through it. It's look, this work is not fun. Okay. It is. She spent a lot of time with a lot of tears and a lot of just going through the mud, and you got to slog through it. And it's not fun. It's all very dark, night of the soul, hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, whatever. Um, and, and it takes everything you got and you think you're going to die, you know, just, and, and you are actually, in a lot of ways, there's an ego death that happens and it's incredibly no, uncomfortable. At least one. <laughs> at least, right. But on the back end of this, you know, there just emerges a different person. And she actually asked me that. She said, why did you do it? Like, why did you do this for such a low fee and knowing full well that you could, you know, get 10 times this, like, why did you do it? And I looked at her and said, because of that, because, because, that right there, you, I, because of where you are and what you've done and the look, the, the human that I'm staring at is not the same human that I was staring at nine months before. She physically looks different. I mean, it's, it's actually quite remarkable. Um, yeah. But that's, that's why I do it, you know, because I knew what my life was like when it was a shit show. And it's like, well, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not live in that anymore.
0: So how do you stay? Because I think life, you know, peels layers and we evolve and we have these different things. How do you stay accountable to who you want to be and not get caught up in the stories that we can sometimes get sucked into.
1: Well, I think you hit on a powerful word there, story, right? Ultimately, you have a choice. You know, I, I actually said this, you know, many times over the years, and I said, what if the only difference between the person you want to be and the person you are is the bullshit story that you're not them?
0: Mm hmm.
1: Like you are going to produce the reality of your understanding, and you are going to be the person that you are holding in your self concept. So if you just make a choice about your self concept, I say just as if it's an easy thing, right? Yeah, simple, right, right. simple, but not easy. Different things. Right. Um, There's
0: a they're very different.
1: Right. So if you can re like, like let's say you want to. So are you doing
0: know. visualization exercises with people or how are you helping them bridge the gap between where they are and who they want to become?
1: There, there are any are they, number. Like- yeah. Any number of modalities. Visualization is a great one. I mean, that's I love that you brought that up because that that's a great. There, I don't know that there are many that are that are better than that, frankly, Um but everything is a practice you know it's not like you, you can't go to the gym once and expect it to to have any effect it's just going to get you sore you got you got to make a practice of all of this um, but when we do this we start having a physiological effect on the way the brain works we start having effects in your psychology and in your energy field it changes the frequency that you're vibrating at to sound like a west side hippie right but this is this is all electromagnetic energy. You know, my, my mom, my, uh, my father's an electromagnetic compatibility engineer. And so I grew up with a lot of nerd speak and I understand how energy fields work. And so it's, how do I get your psychology, your physiology, and your energy all calibrated to the eventuality that you want versus the one you have? Yes. Which makes me sound a lot smarter than I am.
0: (laughs) No, it's very intelligent sounding. I'll give you that a hundred percent. And I think you are as intelligent as you're sounding. So there you go. Thank Um, Talk to me about Flow Research Collective because it sounds like you partner with them a bit.
1: I've yeah, I worked with uh, Stephen Collar's organization is fantastic. I read his book uh, Stealing Fire a number of years ago and it lit me up. And yep. then um, and and Stephen is like my spirit animal. He's so funny. Just um, I, I got to I was fortunate enough to spend some time with him and um, very smart man with a with an incredible story and um, and working with them it, it was such a powerful like training and and the collaboration with the teams there, because flow is is one of the primary tools that we use to get the creativity and the speed that we need. Uh, as, as you know, flow, flow is what athletes call being in the zone or runner's high or right. whatever you want to, you know, it has a lot of names, but it's all driven by neurochemistry. So if you can set the conditions and the behaviors in somebody's business or in somebody's life, we can produce flow states. And this is where we get them to where they want to go a lot faster. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you use that methodology and what other methodologies do you combine into your own? Well,
1: oh, I'll do anything. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll use any, number. I'll use gestalt processing. I'll use neuro-linguistic programming if I have to, I don't use that very much anymore. Um, I, 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 there are things that I'll just make up in the moment. Um, you know, meditation of course is, is huge visualization, as you mentioned, um, uh, but a big part of the thing is, is really putting people in the position of empowerment. That's, that's the first place that we really have to start. And in order to do that, we literally change the way people speak, which is counterintuitive to, as to how you think you can do it. Um, the, the, like the, I'm sorry thing. I think a lot of people know this one changing. I'm sorry about to thank you for right it yes. has a, it has a completely different frequency you walk in 5 minutes late instead of saying i'm sorry i was late say thank you for waiting it just has a different frequency and it's higher vibration and all those things right the problem is changing i'm sorry about to thank you for is not easy because we've been speaking a certain way for decades right and it just doesn't change overnight and the way to change it faster and to automate that change is very counterintuitive instead of trying to change it all you're going to do is notice when you say you're sorry and take note of the conditions and the circumstances in which you do it and reward yourself for noticing. Because what happens is that when somebody says, I'm sorry about, they go, damn it, I'm still saying I'm sorry. And now they're in this place of condemnation. It's a negative reward feedback loop which reinforces the problem. So if somebody can say, I'm sorry I was late and go, oh, cool, I just noticed I said I was sorry. Now you get a dopamine hit, right? So this is a win instead of a loss. Now the dopamine hit amps up your pattern recognition and so you start to become more familiar with the conditions and circumstances in which you say sorry. Now the brain does not live in the here and now, the brain lives in a predictive model of the future. So what it starts to do is as you run into these conditions and circumstances, your brain starts to predict based on history that you're about to say sorry and it starts to make the shift by default.
0: I like that intersect. It's step. the same
1: science as hitting a fastball, actually major league pitcher hating hitting a basketball. I've just I've just employed baseball here. <laughs>
0: I like it. We'll take all of it. We'll take all of it, which
1: which I know nothing about baseball, by the way.
0: (laughs) I mean, but you have to figure what a ball, I mean, even look at tennis nowadays, when those balls are coming across the net at the speeds that they're coming, you can't tell. I mean, there's a different type of training to be able to be calm in that thing and slow dilate time to be able to get Mm -hmm. your swing to line up.
1: Exactly. Because it's not a hand-eye coordination thing. The ball is moving too fast at too short a distance. So you need the pattern right. recognition so that you can anticipate where and when that ball will be there.
0: Yeah, definitely. What about the newer um, like ketamine treatments and some of these alternative therapies? How do you feel they play into the the whole piece of it?
1: I love that you brought this up. This this all this almost invariably comes up in any conversation: psychedelics and everything. But the um they are very effective. You know, we're seeing a lot of um we're seeing a lot of research and uh and success with ibogaine, which is the bark of a tree, yep. in you know treating PTSD, uh, psilocybin, of course, as you mentioned, ketamine assisted therapy. Um, the thing is about the thing about psychedelics is that this is the rule in nature not the exception when, when nature needs to make an evolutionary jump, this is when the animals go seek out psychedelics. And by the way, just sidebar, if you want to see something funny on YouTube, just just do a search for animals getting high. It's, or stoned. It's so funny. Um, but you know, dogs or, or, you know, in the canine family or coyotes or whatever, they'll lick the backs of poisonous toads because they start tripping. Um, you know, the elephants have learned to raid breweries for the fermented fruit. You got baboons that'll, seek out Ibogaine. Because when nature needs to make this jump, it needs advanced problem solving, it needs creative thinking, and it can't do that in its normal, uh, its normal pattern. So animals getting stoned supports this divergent thinking and pattern recognition starts making connections between things that aren't there. And this is how they kind of come up with new solutions to problems. And this is just, like I said, it's it's the rule, not the exception in nature.
0: Yeah, no, I have a son that's struggling with depression at some level. And so it's trying mm-hmm. to break that pattern. And they suggested ketamine treatments. And I'm just, you know, we've done the visualization. We've done different journaling techniques and different mm-hmm. things. And it's just interesting to explore at this point.
1: Yeah. Psychedelics, I mean TMS, we're seeing great results with uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. So that's that's another one for anxiety depression. Um, you know, this is very different than ECT, that electroconvulsive therapy, that's a, that's a different thing. So TMS, seeing great results with TMS. So it's you know, it's really using the right tool for the job, understanding what that is. And, you know, we're, we're coming into a whole new world in terms of, uh, psychedelics and possibility.
0: Yeah, definitely. So who's an ideal client for you?
1: Well, we have different boxes. Like I said, you know, our, our, okay. our business being oriented around the impossible, it, it could be a corporate team, you know, and I've been citing the the movie Ford v. Ferrari a few years ago, like, right? you know, we have this impossible yeah. goal that we don't know how to do, but we really want to do it. That's a great kind of call for us. Um, but it, it also shows up in, in individuals in maybe less what I'll call grandiose ways. Maybe it's somebody that, you know, like I, I wanted to get out of my soul sucking job and launch the thing that really meant something to me. Or maybe it's somebody who um who just wants to get their 26 year old off the off the couch and, and launched into life. The failure to launch thing. It might be you know, what we call the miserable millionaire, somebody who's, you know, it's usually between uh, 45 and 54 that has it all, but hates their life, you know, it's just completely miserable. It's like, how do I, how do I live the life that I came here for? You know, like Mark Twain said, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And, and I just think yeah. if, if you don't know why you need to find out and if you know why, but aren't doing it well, you probably should. And that's why we exist.
0: hmm Definitely. So how do you hold yourself accountable and check in? Uh,
1: I have my director. Sometimes we
0: understand all this stuff at a cerebral, sorry. Sometimes we understand all this stuff at a cerebral level, but then to actually live it is a different step.
1: Yeah, you. you it, it, that's a great point because if you're not embodying it, right, That's that's right. the thing. And so- Um, I have coaches that I work with the best coaches have coaches they hold my feet to the fire I have Anna who's my director of operations. she's basically my professional babysitter that makes sure that things get done because I need that it's it's sort of ridiculous but I I joke that I have no business running my own business so I have her (laughs) yeah yeah fair but that's you you are going to need all the help you can get if you're really looking at bending reality I can promise you three things, you know, number one, it's going to take a little longer than you want. Number two, it's going to scare the shit out of you. And number three, you're going to need help. And so you just got to get out of your own way in terms of that unwillingness or resistance to asking for help and support in whatever form you need it. Cause you know, your life's just too important not to, and it's, you know, get, get my little ego out of the way that doesn't want to it's like, yeah, but this is more important than that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I just wrote a book and in one of the chapters, it was big mountains, take big teams. Mm. So if you're going to do, if you have a big goal or a big pursuit and you're trying to do it alone, good riddance, you know, you need a big team to get to that top. And the sooner you can employ that team and clarify what everybody's roles are, the easier it is to get to the top.
1: Right. Nobody gets to the Olympics alone.
0: (laughs) No truth, truth, truth. Okay. So you have a podcast. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we have a podcast called uh, Mindfuck because yeah. it is quite literally a mindfuck. It's quite the mindbender uh, because we are, you know, I was I was doing a podcast before with it was just basically me talking to myself, and I get real bored with me, so uh, I decided I why don't we do coaching sessions? And it was actually my Keith, my CMO who uh, who came up with this idea. He came up with the title too. It's all his fault. So blaming him just here publicly. Uh, <laughs> But we decided let's let's do coaching sessions, uh, just one off coaching sessions and see if we can create sustainable transformations in people's lives. And we are the the first one that we did was a woman named Allison. And I had her figured out in about eight minutes, needed about four more minutes oh. to walk her up to the door and then shove her through it. And um and then we followed up with her about six months later and she's just crushing it. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible what people are able to do when they get out of their own way is really quite spectacular and so and it's just a way for me to share this work and invite people to consider doing the thing or embarking on the journey to the thing that they they don't know they could probably have and think they couldn't
0: yeah oh and so if you're doing this session it's a one session and you're seeing results after just one time what is a Mm -hmm. typical length of relationship that you have with your clients
1: you know, it used to be six months, but it's, it's wildly variable now. Um, you know, it might be a few weeks, it might be three months, it might be six months. We do have a couple of programs. Our, our flagship program Moonshot is completely up to the client themselves. They, they actually create a plan of what it's going to take to get to their, that impossible thing, uh, whatever it is, um. We have one right now. One one of the the women in our in our moonshot container was on a ten year plan that involved like her retirement and real estate investments and all these kind of things. And I was like, ten years, my ass! No, she's tracking to four years right now. Wow, like it's incredible because when I put them all in one room together, and and uh, and while they get less of my personal one on one time, they get to watch me work with all the others, and they're getting you know, the compound interest effect that they're getting on this is quite remarkable. And so, um, so yeah, it's the, it, it does fluctuate wildly now. And now I'm kind of leaving it largely up to the clients. Like how long do you think it's going to take? And then I'm going to cut it down.
0: Okay. I like it. All right. And you have a book. Right, talk to us a little bit about the book.
1: I wrote a book. It's uh, and I still don't hate it, which actually surprises me, Jen. That's a
0: lot. That says a lot because I have a book coming out in January, and it has been a wrestling match. So just saying, I well, here's the thing: uh, the
1: the the presentation or the thing that I did like 9, 12 months ago that I was so proud of, I'm so over it, and I don't even like it anymore. The book came out in like 2019. I'm still okay with it, which surprises me. So, um. But yeah, I wrote a book called Renegotiate Your Existence, Unlock Your Impossible Life. It's available on Amazon and it's a toolbox. You know, there's some stories in there and everything, but it's a really easy read because I wrote it and I'm not a genius, right? Uh, but it's a toolbox. It's like, here's some stuff that you can start doing right now today. Here's how it works. Here's the science behind why it works um, because we do have a science backed approach at Status Flow. And so uh, so here's how it works. Here's what you need to start doing. Start moving the needle. And, you know, for the price of I don't know what is it, fifteen bucks or something. You know, you can you can literally start taking steps towards making the seemingly impossible a reality.
0: I love it. I love it, Chris. This has been so much fun. You're just a wealth of knowledge and have a ton of energy to make all this happen. It's (laughs) contagious.
1: Well, thank you. You're uh, I I don't think you need me. You're sort of like got your own battery cell going on over there. Like it's you seem to be doing just fine. So, (laughs) but thank you. You know,
0: I think that life or death situation just turned like it was one of those flip the scripts. Like, okay, I don't care what you think, you're gonna die too. I'm more afraid of running out of time to do all the things I wanna try. So here we go.
1: You know what, Jen, I love that you brought that up. And my you know what, my father had a heart attack actually just a few days ago. And um and and oh, two days before that, my best friend's mom died. And so we're kind of in an interesting place right now. And I will tell you that there are only two ways to die. You can die of something or you can die for something. Mm-hmm. And I prefer the latter, really. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out going for it, right?
0: Yes, 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 yes. Amen. All right, how do we find you? What do we do? All the things.
1: Yeah, statusflow.net is the the website, right? You can go to to the the website's got everything, our Instagram, whatever. Go to statusflow.net. You can access the podcast from there. Uh, Check out the programs and all the the different variations of the seemingly impossible and uh, see what resonates for you. Statusflow.net.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: Thank you so much, Jen. Great to be here.